It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. All right, thanks very much for joining us for our latest podcast. Uh, We didn't expect to have one here between Christmas and New Year's, but when you make a trade as the Rays did, and uh, the Blake Snell deal is a very significant one, we thought even though we're between holidays, it was important to put something out. The Rays also did make another move trading Jose Alvarado to the Phillies in a three-team deal with the Dodgers. Uh, and that created space on the 40-man for two of the players that the Rays needed to make room for, Francisco Mejia, catcher, and the standout pitchers, the key to the Blake Snell deal, and Luis Patino. Now, as far as the podcast goes, we're going to hear from three individuals today uh, on the deal. Uh, one, we'll hear from the Rays executive vice president and general manager, Eric Neander, and go over the deal. Uh, we're going to touch on the human side with pitching coach Kyle Snyder because he had such a tremendous relationship with Blake Snell, and we'll break down the deal and maybe what is to come with Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times. We start, though, with Eric Neander and first uh, touched with him on uh, how difficult this trade was to make, especially on the heels of getting to Game 6 of the World Series. It was difficult, and it's still difficult and bittersweet and a move like this you know when you do it you're you're hoping that the most painful part of it is is up front and then over time it it, it's something that that turns in your favor and and you appreciate the reasons why you 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 made the trade but you know from from where we are competitively right now um, Blake's importance to our group that he's grown up in this organization, you know, was drafted here as a, at a high school and you know, has really developed on and off the field within, you know, his time in our organization, you know, those, those relationships, all the, the effort that so many people have put into that. And Blake deserves the credit more than anyone, but just that whole journey is, is something that, you know, when you make these decisions, you, you really feel that. And, and certainly, like I said, competitively where we are, um, you know, removing Blake from this team is something that that hurts but we felt what we're what we're getting back gives us a chance to to continue to be su- successful um, in, a, in a sustainable fashion and um, ultimately felt it was in our best interest to, to do it was the trade that much harder because of the fact that you guys did appear in a World Series to make and did it set the bar higher for any kind of deal of this magnitude yeah yes and yes it's the you know, look, the, the goal is to win a World Series. You know, that's and and after you've won one, then it's to win another one, you know, on the field. And um, that's our on field goal. And uh, certainly being as close as we were, um, yeah, that, that, that's a lot more challenging to make a decision like this than if we weren't anywhere near that point, certainly. But um, to the second, yes, uh, it's something that for those reasons, um, we, we had both a a high bar and uh, a specific type of return that we'd be willing to consider. And it, it, it needed to have someone that wasn't far off from impacting our major league club themselves or themselves. And this deal is some, you know, is one that 
that type of return was afforded to us here and felt that the, you know, what was being offered by San Diego, given, you know, even with all of the, the tensions and uh, challenges that, that come with it for the reasons we discussed, just felt that the, the return was, was strong enough that we had to do what we felt was best for the club and the bigger picture and uh, make the move. So obviously finances or resources are always an issue, but it, from your standpoint, this was more driven by talent than anything. Yeah, I, I, Blake Snell's not the type of talent that you move to create payroll space. He's, you know, that that's not that's that's someone else's problem. That's not that's not his, you know. And this is something that, you know, it's the economics of the sport are a factor, you know, and they're they they are some sort of influence, obviously. But on something like this, it is it is much more talent driven than than it is anything else. Philosophically, you touched on this. The goal is to win a World Series. Your your mindset is that it has to be multiple opportunities, that you guys have to have a shot every year to make this work. Can you kind of get into that a little more? Yeah, I, you know, and I, look, I, everybody has their own take on this. Everyone, you know, every organization has their own challenges, their own considerations, and their own philosophies. Um Ours is 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 such that you know I, we're, we're proud that we've over you know in the Rays area that that we've won a lot of games and and we've consistently been in the mix and not every year you know there's there's been a few duds in there that where we came in with higher expectations but we've we've by and large since 2008 you know we've we've competed. You know, I think we've, if I'm not mistaken, I think we have the fifth best winning percentage in all of baseball over that time period. We've reached two world series. I think there's only a couple of teams that have reached more than two. I think the Dodgers and the giants both have reached three over that time period. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's important to us. And, and we believe our best chance to ultimately win a world series is to assemble rosters year in, year out that, have a chance to go out and to compete and and have a chance that are playoff caliber rosters. And and I think where we are and where we've been the last few years, you know, we've 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 been at that level. And with the talent, the young, emerging, you know, athletic, energetic talent that we have that's coming on an upward trajectory combined with what's on our major league club, um, it's it's our belief that that's not about to slow down anytime soon. And, you know, this this particular trade is one that in isolation takes something away from our 2021 club. There's no doubt about it, but we believe further strengthens that not only are we in a position to be sustainably competitive, but um, this helps us be in a position to be uh, sustainably, you know, very competitive. And, and that's important to us. I, I don't think any of us believe in, in taking a year off or taking years off to, to rebuild. We want to, we do we do turn things over, but I think we've reached a point with our our talent base where we have a chance to do that and still maintain a high level of production and success on the field. And you also felt that two players in this deal, Luis Patino in particular, and Francisco Mejia, have a, a real chance to help now. Yeah, you you don't want to put any undue pressures on them, um, but you know Luis Patino is someone that that we have uh, evaluated as. Yeah, about as talented of you know starting pitcher prospect um, yeah, as 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 you're going to find the the package of 
stuff, stuff, the depth of the repertoire, the strike throwing, the athleticism, the makeup, the work ethic, you know, the aptitude, you know, he's, he checks these boxes top to bottom and, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's not six, five, he's, you know, probably six foot. I think he's listed at six one, but whatever it is, but he's strong as can be. And, and, and the athleticism and the strength in his lower half and throughout his body gives him a chance to, to hold it and to post up. And we're really excited about that. Um, you know, We'll, we'll want to get him in here, get to know him. You know, the fact that he was in the mix at the alternate site, that he did get exposed to the big leagues last year. You know, he got innings under him. He got experiences under him that are really beneficial to the young pitcher. It, it, it'll allow us to hit the ground running with him this spring, but want to want to see him firsthand, want to get to know him, and uh, believe he's somebody that has a chance to, to be an impact talent for us uh, very soon. And, and he is someone that, you know, you go back to – 2019, you know, was a top 25, 30 prospect in baseball, if I'm not mistaken, went out, had a good year offensively. Um, you know, there are things behind the plate that he needs to continue to work on and, and develop. Um, and that's something we're not going to run from. Um, we have a lot of catchers on our major league staff that we think can help him in, in those respects. And believe at age 25, you know, I think by and large, you could call 2020 a lost season for him. But, you know, the change of scenery that, that's had the right mix of experiences and, and hype, but then also the struggles at the major league level. We're coming into a new environment, you know, resetting himself mentally, being in a new group. Sometimes that can be the, you know, the elixir of sorts that that can can allow a player to take off. And, and we've had some guys like that, that that were big contributors to our World Series reaching club last year. And I think he has the potential to be another uh, talent that's that's just like some of those on our club. And the two other players you acquired, Cole Wilcox, Blake Hunt, obviously you think Highly of them, but they're further away. Yeah, just exactly that. Um, Cole was a draft eligible sophomore this past year, and you know, someone that we we strongly considered with our first round pick, and went in, went in a different direction, but pretty high on our board, and, and and a talent that from from the size, and the stuff package, the physicality that had he had a full spring to showcase himself and how it looked in the early going, that he had a real chance to to skyrocket in a way where he wouldn't have been, been even been available for our picks. So, um, you know, someone that, that, that has, that checks a lot of the boxes when, you know, you're looking to design a power starting pitcher prospect and plenty of time to continue to work with him, get to know him and allow him to develop the strongest foundation possible to be a, you know, a long-term major league starter and power starter. Uh, and then Blake Hunt, someone that we followed for a few years and feel that he's, you know, as a high school draft, as a catcher, you know, it's a tough road. Um, and he's made right, you know, um, what, what we know about what's between the ears is, is very, very good. And, you know, we've just witnessed someone that has continued to improve, has continued to get better. And thankfully, we had a chance to see him in instructs this fall and, and have someone on the ground there. Jason Cole, one of our our pro scouts, did a great job of really bearing down on this system and um, his his progress, even through this for lack of a better term, lost season. Um, the progress that, that Blake made was, you know, eye popping. It really, it really stood out. And, um, you know, to have someone that's, you know, wired the way he is, you know, has the desire to, to get after it behind the plate and, you know, emerging bat talent, emerging strength with, with strong defensive attributes. We, we project them as a, a future everyday catcher and uh, fits really well into our system. And we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. That said, I'm sure the Rays fan wants is worried about this year, and I'm sure the players that come back from the World Series team are as well. How much does it help that we're still in late December, that you have the chance still to add, and how likely is that? 
Yeah, it's, you know, you're, you, you, you never want to force a deal um, on Blake. The, the return, the talent of it's going to always drive something like that to the point that we consider it. But certainly a, a secondary benefit, you know, a benefit to the timing of it. It's not the reason we do it now, but a benefit to the timing of it is it's still not yet January. There's there's a lot of calendar left before we get rolling here, and it does afford us the opportunity to, you know, see if there's some things we can do to to strengthen our club, to bolster our club for you know, 2021. Um, it's not lost on us just how close we came this past year. And like I said, our, our goal is to win a World Series. We believe the best way to, to do that is to be really good in as many years as possible. But um, because of how close we got, there is that extra motivation that you know, to try to finish the job in 2021. That certainly runs at odds with a decision like this one that we just made that's not lost on us, but we're going to do everything we can to, to take this puzzle that's admittedly not complete right now and and try to complete it in the way that, that gives us the best chance to go out there and, and defend uh, the AL pennant we captured last year. You guys have always made sure not to block the lane of a young player. You've got Tyler Glasnow, Ryan Yarborough, Michael Walker, you just signed, and Josh Fleming, who all could start or pitch behind openers. Um, you've also got another group of Honeywell and, and, and McClanahan and Ryan and, and obviously Luis Patino. How do you contrast the, the balance between maybe finding a veteran who can help you now versus blocking a player who could also help you now but may need a little more seasoning? Great question. I, I think it's important that anyone we bring in is a good fit for our culture. You know, if we're, if we're bringing anyone that's established and Michael Waka fits this to a T, you know, Charlie Morton fit this to a T prior. Um, you, you want someone that you believe is going to be in a position to help you on the field, but also is going to look out, support, and nurture some of the developing, you know, high-end arms that, that we have that are, that are coming and gets that and recognizes it. Um, and, you know, that, that's going to be really relevant as we, as we go through it. But, you know, pitching and navigating a season, and especially with all the disruptions we had this previous year, you know, and only getting to 80 games in total with the postseason, you know, getting back to 162, it's it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a grind and um, something that I, I think, you know, it would be a nice problem to have if we, if we thicken up this group in a way where we feel like we might be one or two heavy going in um, and, and just to allow that to sort out however it may as we get to opening day, because anything when it comes to pitching just typically doesn't go exactly as you have it drawn up and, and you need options, you need depth. And um, again, recognize that we just moved a cog that, that would have helped with a lot of that, but felt the return was, was right to do it. And, and then to continue to work to, you know, to fill some of this space that much harder after. Eric, on that end, happy hunting. We appreciate a few minutes and appreciate some time and uh, happy new year. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. And um, we're, we're going to do our best to be good this year. Believe we're going to be good. And um, uh, we'll, we'll get after it. We got, we got a lot of talent here and we're excited about this year. Appreciate the time of uh, Eric Neander, Ray's Executive Vice President and General Manager, for joining us. I mentioned that uh, Kyle Snyder had probably the tightest relationship with Blake Snell of anybody. So, you know, in, in having a chat with him today, the first thing I discussed was you know, how challenging this was on the human side because they've been together for so many years. I mean, it's difficult. And I mean, it, it's sad as, as you, as you touch on just the, 
the emotional side of it and how much, you know, I mean, we, we've invested in, in one another over the years and almost developed alongside one another, given, you know, uh, we've known each other our entire careers as Tampa Bay Rays, um, you know, but it's also, you know, really, you know, I mean, beyond being bittersweet, you know, I, I feel like being able to have the privilege of watching Blake grow up and develop as a young man and grow up and develop as, as, as the pitcher that he's become, um, has really been tremendously fulfilling. And, um, I don't want to lose sight of that. I mean, in, in, in understanding that, you know, it, it's a business and, and, and everything else, but, you know, I'm, I'm truly proud of taking, um, all of these achieved, all of these guys overcome different things, you know, but all that he's overcome to get to this point and I'll certainly miss him. Um, but, um, very proud and very proud to have had the opportunity, uh, to, to, to kind of, uh, like I said, develop, I mean, almost we developed alongside one another and, and to have had the opportunity, I'm, I'm, I'm forever grateful. He wasn't the first person you're going to have to say goodbye to. He certainly won't be the last, but was it the most difficult conversation that you've had since you've been in this role? Uh, in a lot of respects, Neil, yes. You know, just because of all that was involved, all the layers to our relationship. And, and um, yes, I, it, it was definitely probably the most difficult conversation that I'll have. And it, it won't surprise me if it's the most difficult conversation I'll have in my career. For all the pitchers that have gone, in some ways have all left some sort of legacy or impact on other guys, what does Blake leave on the group? Uh, the, the hunger and the tenacity and, and, and the competitiveness in which Blake pitched will rub off on this group for years to come. Um, just watching him go about you know, uh, every fifth or sixth day and uh, you know, it, it was it was something that was very clear to me, you know. And even in the last year, the growth that occurred um, through his interviews, through uh, accountability, you know, um, I, I think is going to leave a lasting impression as well. Um, just the way that he conducted himself, and but his competitiveness, there's no question uh, that's going to leave a, a long-lasting impression you know, on the group that, that, that remains. You've lost two of the top three starters from a World Series team. How hard is it to replace, and how do you view the upcoming season right now? Eric talked about this being maybe somewhat of a transition year for the starting pitching staff based on the injuries sustained last year. You know, well, you know, you're looking at Charlie and looking at Blake and all that they've, um, they've done for the organization over the last you know, well, Charlie, the last two years and, and, and Blake for the better part of the last five, you're not going to replace those two guys. Um, and I, I think as an organization, we understand that. But, you know, we're we're talking about a lot of young talent that's coming through our pipeline that we just acquired in, in these trades. And, you know, I, I'm I'm really excited, you know, for at this point year to turn over and, and for us to inch closer to spring training. Uh, because, you know, uh, this is an organization that's always been talent rich, certainly since I've been here and, and to get an opportunity to, to, to work with, 
Yeah, you know, some of these guys that are coming up, some of which made an impact on our club last year, um, and other guys like Luis Patino that's coming over from San Diego, um, you know, and, and, and seeing, you know, what these guys are, are really, truly capable of um, as we enter the 2021 season. You've had a little time to digest. How much have you looked at tape of Luis Patino and what excites you the most as a coach? Oh, he's got electric stuff, Neil. There's no doubt about that. And that's, uh, that's I mean, he's a young guy. Um, he's educated, um, speaks English pretty well, comes from a very educated family. Um, and I, be, I believe both of his fam- uh, parents are professors in Columbia. And looking at the video that I've seen, um, I mean, it's, it's wipeout secondary stuff. It's a fastball that reaches 100 miles an hour. Um, and it's, it's a 21 year old, you know, um, uh, with a really bright future in front of him, Neil. And it, it's, it's been a lot of fun to, to dive into a little bit here over the last couple of days. Um, and, um, I'm anxious to, to get a chance to speak with him for the first time, uh, and, and get a feel for, you know, some of the things that he likes to do leading up to spring training. Obviously he's got a, a bright future ahead of him, but you've got some guys like Shane McClanahan and Brent Honeywell and, um, Joe Ryan, and uh, even look at guys like Trevor Richards or, or Aaron Slagers, who could play larger roles this year. How, how do you look at the whole bulk starting situation, at least where we stand right now in late December? I tell you, I mean, from a depth standpoint, you know, we're, we're sitting in a, a pretty good spot. And even though we lost, you know, Blake and, and Charlie, um, you know, from the staff from last season, just given, uh, you know, what Aaron was capable of accomplishing last year, Shane getting the experience that he got, you know, Brent being on our taxi squad, uh, basically the entire postseason, um, seeing where he finished, um, and, and finally being healthy and, and, and ready to, to prove what he was capable of at the big league level. Um, then you got guys like you mentioned, Joe Ryan, you know, who was in major camp last year and left a lasting impression, regardless of the fact that the season was disrupted as much as it was. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of competition and, and there's going to be an opportunity for a lot of these guys to contribute, you know, um, you know, to the to the club going forward. I mean, we play 162 games. Neil, we got to account for about 1,470 innings or so, give or take. Um, and I, I certainly see a lot of those guys, you know, contributing, you know, on some level as, as we enter, you know, spring training for 2021. I mean, there's, there's definitely going to be, you know, guys that uh, get opportunities I would say in 2021 that may not have got otherwise. And, you know, a lot of that stuff excites me just, just given, you know, the improvements these players have made. Um, and, and I think our organization recognizing that, you know, um, that their opportunities are, uh, are right in front of them. When do you normally do these trips in a COVID world? Do you still do those <laughs> trips to go see guys? What, what's your plans for? for yeah. I, so I'm going to go see Michael Waka, uh, his brother-in-law, or sorry, his brother got married in Texas. Uh, I believe it might even have been today. Uh, so he's planning on coming back here, I think, on the 4th of January. He's going to be in Jupiter. Uh, so I intend on going over there to see him. Um, short of that, you know, I think we're, you know, we're going to kind of sort through exactly when the start date is for spring training, I think, here in the next week or two. Um, and there could be another trip or two on the horizon. <laughs> You never know, but, um, you know, it certainly will, you know, will come with, uh, uh, 
a lot more extra precaution. I guess just there are more, more precautions than I've, I've taken in the past. But, you know, driving across the state and getting an opportunity to meet, you know, Michael Walker face to face is definitely something that's extremely important to me. And I would guess guys like Ryan Yarborough, you're, you can still go drive to see in Lakeland or wherever he from the Tampa area or Tyler. Yeah, for a bit. that's correct. I mean, Ryan Yarborough, unfortunately, had to see me last week. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I've, uh, I've been talking with Tyler. Um, he's out in California right now. He just started to get off the mound. He'll be here shortly after the new year. Um, you know, I think some of it will just depend on a, a little bit of idle phase if you happen to be at the moment i don't anticipate too big of a disruption um and i'm eager to get to work with these guys like i always am after the first of the year uh, like i said i'm not really sure that they are as much as i am but um yeah i've, I've gotten a chance to see uh i haven't seen shane but i've seen ryan yarborough in tampa um and just looking forward to connecting with these guys again after the first of the year and how important is it to uh kyle to um I know those guys are mature, but for those guys like Tyler, for Ryan, Michael Walker, who joins for the first time, to really take a step forward too. I think it's important, you know, and, and I think it's also nice that you're bringing a guy in with the experience that Michael has beneath him, you know, life experience, baseball experience, um, postseason experience as well, um, you know, and, and maybe just a, you know, little different outlook, you know, but, you know, I expect big things out of both Tyler and, and Ryan Yarborough you know, and taking big steps forward now, uh, going into 2021. I, matter of fact, I actually text that to, uh, to glass now shortly before you jumped on the phone here, but, um, you know, those guys are ready, you know, um, they're certainly primed for it and, um, you know, they're, they're full in their prep, you know, right now, uh, just, uh, you know, as we approach spring training, but it, it, it's definitely going to be big key, you know, for those guys and, and what they've accomplished and, and, and what they'll mean, you know, to the leadership of the staff. Kyle, good stuff. Have a happy new year. We'll hopefully see you sooner, uh, sooner than later. I hope so too. You know, I appreciate that and happy new year to you as well. And hopefully the world does allow us to see one another face to face sooner than later. So, uh, thanks for having me on as always and uh, all the best. Appreciate the time of one Kyle Snyder and certainly we do hope to see him in person sooner than later. We're now joined by Mar Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. And uh, Topper, you had been reporting for several weeks that the Rays likely were going to have to move one of their big pieces, whether it was Blake Snell or Kevin Kiermaier. So to you, I'm guessing this really didn't come as a major surprise. Well, I think it start. It was becoming more and more obvious. I think as the off season went on, just from the things we were hearing that they were going to trade one of those guys. I think it turned out to be Blake. wasn't surprising. I think he was going to have the bigger return. I know there's been some question about why the Rays acted now. Um, you know, there's other free agent pitchers available. Maybe they would have waited till, you know, say Trevor Bauer had signed and then maybe gone to one of the teams that didn't get him, and they would, you know be more open to a deal. But I think Eric Neander made it very clear, Neil, and I know you were on the call as well, that they really felt this was a solid return and maybe almost in reverse, didn't want to run the risk of, of missing out on this return and not getting more later. It seems like they were pretty pleased uh, both with the current part of the return in Francisco Mejia and Luis Patina and also the longer uh, run return and the prospects of Cole Wilcox and Blake Hunt. So it, it seems like the return really matched up. So in that, re I guess it wasn't a surprise. And 
seems like uh, Jerry Depoto in Seattle's on the outs with Eric now, and the bromance is with AJ Preller. They've made what three pretty big deals with San Diego in the last year or so. Mark and I would say probably more important deals too in terms of the players involved. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Tommy Pham, arguably the Rays' best position player last year, traded to the Padres. Emilio Pagan, arguably the Rays' best reliever last year, traded to the Padres. And now Blake Snell, one of their top starters. So maybe we're on to something here. I guess the big question right now is how do the Rays then make up for the loss of a Blake Snell this year? Well, I think another reason, in, in fact, and Eric Neander acknowledged this at some point, um, that you know, making the trade now was to give them more time to figure that out. Um, you know, the free agent market has been very slow. We've only seen a handful of pitchers of, of any, you know, consequence sign. In fact, one being Charlie Morton, who left the Rays uh, as a free agent and signed with Atlanta. And then very few pitchers traded, at least until the other day, when the Padres got two, Blake Snell and you Darvish. So I, I think there's time there, Neil. And, and in, you know, in the Tampa Bay Times, I, I wrote how, you know, they're going to look at a bunch of different options here and, and they have some flexibility because of the money that they saved in trading Snell. And, you know, they might look for a guy. They have a little bit of a, a surplus in terms of outfielders on their roster. Maybe they can turn an outfielder into a pitcher, even if it's a guy who makes a little bit of money. Uh, and maybe even a free agent. I mean, you know, there's some guys out there that I think their market's pretty unclear and the Rays may be able to er offer something in terms of opportunity. I mean, maybe even a guy just pulling a name out is Masahiro Tanaka, who's been with the Yankees. I mean, what, where does he go? What offer does he get? Maybe a short-term one year or one year and an option kind of deal with the Rays on somebody like that. And they can patch the whole, uh, with somebody experienced. I think, you know, Eric Neander made that clear. And, you know, Chris Archer is another name I've heard. So I think they've got a lot of time to figure something out. And of course, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they really do uh, spend a, a bigger chunk of that money or they get somebody uh, a more, you know, kind of on the bargain side. And you could argue, too, that um, while there is a need for bulk pitchers, um, there's probably a need, in a, a need in a bullpen, too, with Jose Alvarado um, traded in a three-way deal with uh, the Phillies today. I think it is now, but I, again, I think the fact that it's you know basically the new year and, and they've still got a couple months to go, there's a glut of pitching on the free agent market. Uh, I think we've seen the Rays, you know, their reputation, you, you, you've drilled down on this subject many times, their reputation precedes them with pitchers who see coming here as a chance not only to pitch, but to probably pitch better because of the, the guidance and instruction uh, that the Rays provide, the usage that they do and how they use these guys in proper matchups, use them to their advantage, emphasize what they do well. So I don't think they'll have any trouble filling that, but I think you're right. I think it's kind of clear, or at least it is to me, they're very concerned about the depth of starting slash bulk inning pitching right now, understandably so. I mean, look, they lost Charlie Morton and Blake Snell. There's two of your top, if not your two top starters. Uh, and then they're going to be without three guys, at least at the start of the year, who could have stepped in as starters in Yanni Chirinos and Jalen Beeks, who probably will miss most of the year, and Brendan McKay, who's going to miss at least the first month or two, and, and they're not really sure because it's a shoulder injury, which are much harder to predict a shoulder surgery than a guy coming off Tommy John. So they're down a bunch of starting pitchers. I think the emphasis right now is on building out that starting pitcher bulk inning group uh, and also, it's, you know, an emphasis on multi-inning relievers. I mean, we saw Ryan Sheriff kind of emerge last year as a guy, and he wasn't great, but emerge as a guy they could count on a work an inning plus. And, you know, to me, that's probably one of the reasons that Jose Alvarado was traded, kind of dumped to create a roster spot, because they have some other guys that they can use in those multi-inning roles. I think the one-inning 
specialist kind of guy is really kind of going to be minimized by the Rays. And as we do look forward, Mark, how aggressive do you think the Rays are going to be with some of their kids? Yeah, that's probably the hardest decision for the Rays, Neil. And, and, you know, they put such a premium on the development of their pitchers. You know, they've really prided themselves over the years, I think, on really never rushing a guy, you know, even if, you know, they had an injury. And, you know, you do see some that were a little surprising. I mean, Josh Fleming, you know, maybe he was rushed last year. Maybe that was surprising. I know who's a guy you talked about back in spring training, you know, last February, March, which seems like 10 years ago. Uh, and I didn't even know who you were talking about, like usual. So I had to go read up on him. And, you know, he was ready. And, and maybe there was a little bit of a gamble there. But, you know, they've got some young guys. And, and, you know, if you look at what they have right now, and you say Glass now, Yarborough, and Michael Waka are pretty much set. So then there's two spots that they've got to fill out of the group of Josh Fleming, Shane McClanahan, Brett Honeywell, if he's recovered from the surgery that he recently had. You add Luis Patino to that group now. And then, you know, do they go a little further deep? Do they go to Joe Ryan? Or, you know, not as dynamic, not as sexy, but they've got Trevor Richards on the roster. They've got Aaron Sleegers on the roster. I think part of the reason Alvarado was taken off and those guys stayed on is because they value right now that they may be starter bulk inning type guys. Another one is David Hess, who's on a minor league deal. So, I think that's where the focus is right now. And if, if they have to scramble for some short relievers, you know, late January, early February, and that's assuming spring starts on time, which we also don't know yet, I think they can do that then. And Mark, one other thing, I don't know if you you wrote about it in the Tampa Bay Times, but I do think it's interesting that the Rays had a, a almost a slightly better winning percentage when Blake Snell and Charlie Morton didn't pitch uh, than when they did over the last couple of years. Yeah, pretty even, pretty even, both in the 600 range, which is pretty good either way, right? So I think that, um, you know, Neil, it's, it's easy to say that now because they just traded Snell, they let Morton go. I mean, they're going to miss him. And I, I think, you know, Eric Neander was, was pretty candid about that in his media call on Tuesday. You know, how much are they going to miss him? That's going to be subjective. If Charlie Morton goes to Atlanta and pitches like he did in 2019 for the Rays and the Rays staff struggles and they don't have that veteran leader and, and Michael Waka doesn't you know emerge or he gets hurt or something, you know, then I think that that's going to magnify his loss. Same thing with Blake Snell. If Blake Snell pitches for the Padres like he did in 2018 for the Rays when he won the Cy Young, it's going to look glaring. But if those guys, you know, have some injury time or they miss a little bit of time, the Rays do well, you know, we're going to say they didn't miss them. So I think it's a subjective thing. It's always a snapshot when you evaluate a, a transaction like that. But they do have the depth. They've shown that they have won, as you said, games those guys didn't start. The Rays have always taken that team approach. I know you and I have talked about this before. They kind of acknowledge they're not going to match up with some of the bigger, better teams in that, you know, first 10 players on the race, the top 10 players but they feel like they've got the best 20 or 30 or 40 guys on, on a roster that any team has. And, and that's how they're going to take it. It seems like with this pitching approach this year. And I think regardless of what route the Rays go, I think Eric Neander stressed this. He really feels they're going to be good despite the trade. No white flag, right? It's, Eric Neander said that it's the reverse of, uh, remember the White Sox and the Giants and, and those kind of trades back when the Rays were first getting started, the white flag trade. And then the Rays ended up with both Wilson Alvarez and Roberto Hernandez. Uh, teams don't do that anymore. And I think Eric Neander made it very clear uh, in saying that. And I think his message, you know, in a more serious vein was, you know, their philosophy, as he is at least espousing it, is, you know, now 
they want to be contending every year. They don't want to kind of go through that cycle of going all in one or two years and then having to break it down and, you know, have the peaks and valleys. Uh, you know, they did have a little bit of a dry spell. They made the playoffs four times in six years and they went four years without, and then they just missed in 18. Uh, they made them in 19. They made them in 20. So I, I think they're trying to get back to that point where they're going to be a contending team every year. Can they do it without Blake Snell and Charlie Morton? We're obviously going to find that out uh, partially in how they deploy those savings and partially uh, in how the guys that they have and they are banking on performing. Mark, good stuff. Thanks for a few minutes. Happy New Year. Anytime, Neil. You know it. Appreciate the time of Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times and certainly that of Eric Neander and Kyle Snyder. We certainly appreciate your time as well. Thanks for hanging out with us as news develops for the Rays. You can follow our blog, raysradio.mlblogs.com. I can't imagine we're going to have another podcast before the new year. So if I don't speak with you before then, have a happy new year. We will chat with you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.